off, Wade. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So, wow. We are in the last week of our third annual Scary Sequel Month. And I got to say, it's been very special. We've had old guests come to review, brand new people. We did an in-studio episode. We had some amazing guests to interview to hear about some of our favorite sequels that we had the opportunity to cover. And we're finishing on a high note. The last week of October, you know what that means. Halloween. And the next sequel that we're going to be reviewing is Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, the pivotal point in the franchise when they said, we got to bring him back, but we got to do it the right way. Because I say, if this movie didn't work, you would not have gotten five, six. You wouldn't have right now people crying or loving Halloween Kills if it wasn't for the fourth movie. And I was lucky enough to interview Kelly Meeker herself. Wow, the amazing actress Kathleen Kinmont. We talked about her legendary actress mom Abby Dalton. Of course, her her death scene, the details to her death scene in Halloween 4 were so cool. I've seen all the Halloween 4 documentaries and behind the scenes on YouTube and it was so detailed. I loved it so much hearing about what was involved and what went into it. We also talked about Gloria her role in the last sequel that we reviewed, Bride of Reanimator. She talks about that. She talks about, obviously, her book, I Should Have Been Nicer to Quentin Tarantino, and other short stories of epic fails and saves. I love this book. I'm not just saying I love this book because she's our guest. I sincerely love this book, and I did the Audible version, so I was able to hear her voice inflection about some of these stories. And, man, we talk about a few of them during the interview but you want to make sure you buy this. It's at KathleenKinmont.com. I'll put her website in the description in the episode notes so you can check it out. This is a fun interview. You're going to love it. And if you want to watch the video of it, you can go to SequelsOnly.com forward slash Kathleen Kinmont. If you want to see her, she looks amazing and she is an amazing human being. And then I'm the Porsche love on the other side. But we reveal that the name Doug she has a close person in her life now whose name is Doug. And the person who it actually is, it's going to blow your mind. So sit back, relax, check out this interview. You're going to love it. And do me a favor. If you're new here, welcome. Please subscribe wherever you're listening. Rate us. And then also follow us on all social media at sequels only. If you're back for another time, hey, welcome back. Looking good. You smell great. Did you change shampoos? Good call. But please, you as well. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it. If you haven't followed us on social media, do it as well. All right, that's it. I'm shutting my yapper. It's time for our last interview of our third annual Scary Sequel Month. Here is the lovely Kathleen Kinmont. I'm good. Hi, Doug. I can hear you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Pretty good. I had a lot of fun. I didn't finish your book yet, but I did choose the option, and I don't think I'm ever gonna read a book again. The Audible is amazing. Oh, cool! Thank you. I just think it adds like this extra flavor to it when you when you're reading it. It's in my voice, uh-huh. so when you're hearing some of the stories, like your story when you're talking about Renegade, me and my wife had a good laugh listening to when you're that chapter on it. 
just your voice inflection and just, I don't know, it's really special hearing the way you want people to hear rather than them and their own voice about your life. Well, thank you. I took a lot of time recording it and my producer, Patrick Leiden, who helped me do it. It was really just the two of us. And we spent last summer, COVID, recording, you know, 432 pages close to I was just like I remember day one I was just like oh my god you know just like how the hell am I going to tackle this because it is such a unique type of performance because they're my words they're my stories they affect me personally uh and to not allow that part of their of the truth of what the experience really is to come through would would be a denying myself the experience and be the listener so yeah I went for it it's a lot of fun and I also really wanted to keep a a solid through line to it as well and I think that the way the whole book is structured with having um Epic fail, epic save, lesson learned, tied into the end of every random story (laughs) (laughs) on random things, (laughs) but are kind of interesting. And and if people that actually know me who are buying the book and know who I am and are a fan, they won't find it random. But I also wanted it to be a book for the person who isn't the fan, who who doesn't know my career and, and still be able to relate to me on some other human level. So I thought doing the audible is is really one step closer to that, to getting to know me, because when you hear my voice, you get to experience the person, almost like looking into their eyes, almost. No, exactly. And the book title is, so like you said, fans of, you know, Bride of Reanimator, Renegade, Halloween 4. It's the people that wouldn't, Maybe they don't haven't seen those movies, but that book on a shelf, somebody's going to pick it up and skim through it because that title alone is just, I love it. And that whole story is that's something that I want people to read your book because I think it's phenomenal the way it's, if people want to read or listen to it. But when did you realize, because I don't think you touched on it, when did you realize it was him? Like later, when did you put two and two together where you saw a movie come out? with his name on you're like holy crap that's the guy from that class (laughs) you know when you meet someone especially with a name as unique as quentin tarantino right quentin alone is such a unique name how many quentins do you actually know i know one quinn and it's a female her name is quinlan oh okay Um, actually elizabeth grayson's daughter lovely and amazing Elizabeth Grayson from Highlander, the actress. Oh, my God. She named her daughter Quinn. And my daughter's name is Aiden. So those who grew up in it was Aiden Quinn. I mean, Aiden Quinn was one of my favorite actors ever, too. Um, (laughs) Quentin, he was like two years older than me. I was 16. He was 18, probably turning 19. He was not... Quentin Tarantino yet 
he was just some kid in the back scribbling at his notebook, wanted to be an actor. He thought also a writer, though definitely a writer. And that's why he was like, I really want to write a kissing scene for us. You know, this is like day one for me. I'm like putting my bike over, you know, trying to figure out like what's a good, where's a good spot, spot to put my bike that A, no one's going to trip over it, B, no one's going to steal it, and C, I don't even really want to be seen with a bike because I'm like in a room full of adults, like recognizable TV actors from Love Boat, Fantasy Island, and, you know, MacGyver, and Simon and Simon or whatever. And Maybe it was before MacGyver, but I just, you know, it was just so unnerving. And I think that it's a really unique experience. Not a lot of people get to have those, you know, those experiences with people before they become somebody else. I mean, I'm sure like, oh, yeah, I went to high school with Tom Cruise or whatever. But it's, I don't know, just being in an acting class, it's, it's kind of holy ground, really. It's like a therapy room. It's a very trusting room. You have to leave all your inhibitions at the door and jump into a pretend. Yeah. But, you know, everybody knows it's pretend. It's just, it's just one of those, you know, it's a jam session for actors. It's like we're all kind of showing up like insecure musicians and everybody wants to play the right note. Nobody wants to be like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Is that how you're going to do it? <laughs> so <laughs> everybody wants to be accepted and everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to do it right. So it's just a lot of, everyone's a nerd. And that was no different for me. It was my very first foray. And it was, uh, you know, I told the the. Uh, coach I'm like don't put me there. <laughs> I can't I just want to learn how to play a teenage kid with some <laughs> parents you know I'll do a mom scene I'll do a dad scene I'll do a mom and dad scene <laughs> it's just like I remember just being like start me slow please please don't be like Quentin you know like ah I'm you Oh my gosh. How did it get to that point? Like the acting, obviously like with your, your mom, like you're, you grew up in it. Do you remember like what age you were maybe like going to set or realizing who your mom was? Cause that's gotta be kind of different. Well, my first real recollection, which is so circus style atmosphere of visiting her on set with the lights and the set and the, you know, it was on at the studios. I read, um, I believe it was NBC, which was really close, which made sense because I grew up in Toluca Lake and NBC is, uh, you know, Bob Hope Burbank area. Yeah. And they, they were shooting Hollywood Squares and Hollywood Squares at that time, back in the late 60s, early 70s, they had this other version of it called Storybook Squares. And uh, Storybook Squares was when the celebrities would dress up as a storybook character. That's awesome. So they would, my mom decided that her forte was the Wicked Witch which was 
just a nondescript Euro wicked witch, just <laughs> my pretty. Yeah, whatever it was, it was just like, just, you know, pick something from Wizard of Oz or, you know, she just, so she put the hat on and the nose and the chin and just, you know, actually probably had a really cool jacket like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she would just kind of terrorize us a little bit before she would leave to go to work, me and my brothers. And then I would go and see her do this thing at the on the set and then go with her into her uh dressing room and watch her take the whole thing off so it was like uh, oh it's just so weird and magical yeah really oh my god just the transformation and there was a lot of like see honey it's okay you know like settling me down like <laughs> I, you know i'm under here and you know it's gonna be all right because i was like <laughs> freaking out. are you really you know, who took my mom I, I i was pretty young and impressionable i bet and, and then it became like all of this um dinner theater and i remember getting up and going at you know working on the waltons or working on game shows she did a lot of game shows she worked a lot right up to the point where i was born really i was born on the joy bishop show i saw that um, that's that your credit it's a baby that's great day one and they were waiting for me that's for crazy. a while i was like <laughs> I was a month late. I, my mom said I came out with long hair and fingernails. How? I know, right? Yeah. Rare. Right? Sorry, mom. <laughs> I don't feel like it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just not feeling it. What's my motivation? My mom's like, to get out of here. Get out. I have been watching Call the Midwife, and I um, I can't say enough great things about this show because, you know, I was a mom. I'm a mom. I have a 16 year old daughter, and their show is so beautifully done and so specifically made for women who have had children or women that haven't had kids and love caregiving, like yeah. nurses, women that have never had children but love to take care of people and are of service. And uh, and that's primarily it. Because, <laughs> like, this show... I mean, I'm watching it like this, like, sideways. I'm like... Take <laughs> <laughs> it. Now they're always, like, showing the corn getting cut. I'm just like... I can't stop watching it. That's that's your like, horror movie. That, that's the gore that you watch now. It's just get away. I cannot turn. Doug, you're absolutely right. It's literally it's it's 1950s forceps and gas and poverty beyond compare. And you know, not never enough money. And it's just like, oh my God, the intensity it takes to have kids arrive on this planet 
for to see what women actually really go through in yeah. that most scary, beautiful, magical moment of when life arrives and and how fragile it all is, how fragile the woman is giving birth and how fragile the baby is when they get here, you know, we're all just so susceptible to the people that take care of us. And man, that movie, that show, I'm like nine <laughs> seasons in. I'm just like, <laughs> I can't get in. I cry every episode. And I love all the English accents, all the different regions. It's just so good. I had a British nanny too. So maybe you saw that part in the book. Oh, maybe no, I didn't get to that yet. Wow. So that's what you could do. If you have to have a crying scene, people can go to you and be like, Kathleen, how did you get to that moment? Was it something from your childhood? No, I just thought of season yeah. five, episode Call two. Call the <laughs> Push, love, push, push. That's right. Lead the time breath. That's right. <sighs> oh, it's crazy. I mean, it's like every single episode. That's great. Babies are born. And and you learn about a new disease that they didn't have the cure for yet. And you're just like, ah, my God. God. It was so hard. Jesus. So hard. Life is so hard. And it's still so hard. It hasn't gotten any easier. It's not like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's all a breeze. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, from your, you know, growing up on, a show, not growing up, but being a baby on a show to 16 in that acting class was, you know, growing up with a mom that's been in, you know, TV movies. Did she like, was there any pushing towards, Hey, Kathleen, you'd be great at this. Or is it something that she lets you make that decision on your own? Um, she definitely let me make the decision on my own. There's a wonderful word that has really been coming up for me. It's called autonomy. And it's um, a- autonomous is used a lot in, in just uh, general um, terms of, of democracy and, and being allowed to make your own choice without being coerced or manipulated or threatened or, or shamed or, you know, just, and having that kind of, uh, respect or just an awareness you know in relationships and she really really had that she knew that if she pushed me and it sucked and I hated it and something bad happened you know I mean not that it would be like oh I would always blame her but it you know the truth is even if you really want to be in this business it sucks. It's hard. It yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to really, really, really want it. And you have to know that it's going to be a heartbreaker, too. And I think she was very clear about that without making it sound like, this business is horrible, <laughs> <laughs> you know it is like so boring and nobody cares and you know what it's like sometimes when you do that people are like i'll show you yeah <laughs> it might have been easy for you man but I, you know not for me you know so i'm like my mom was just really 
you want to do it? Go down the street and go sign up for acting class. Here's a check. You know, I will yeah. support you in going to find out if you really want to do this. You can't just go and get headshots, you know, in a bathing suit. And <laughs> that was pretty funny. Headshots in a bathing suit. Here's my headshot. <laughs> hey! you know, which I'm totally wearing something super sexy just to emphasize that. That, you know, like, hey, man, this is part of the business, but it's not all the business. It's a totally visual medium, but you have to have the talent to keep people entertained because, I don't know, everybody watches everything right now. And, you know, the audience, I think, has only just become more of a critic and gotten better and has endured more content, which, of course, if you read more books, you're going to become more of a scholar. If you watch a lot of movies and television, you're going to naturally see what moves you and what doesn't move you. I mean, it's not about, you know, it's not about good acting, bad. I think it's about like what really moves you, writing, visually. There's so many components. It's not just about one thing. I think it has to do with a lot of different. So I think she really installed that with me too. Like, hey, you know, it's not just going to be about you as the actor. Go and and learn what it's like to be a, you know, learn your craft and be the work on a crew and, and be part of, you know, something. And she was really like, respect the people that you're working with. That was one thing that she really instilled in me. Like it's valuable to always really respect people that are working for you and giving you their all so for a collective even if it's people that come and work at your house or come yeah. and, you know, or the guy that works on your car and dentist that works on your teeth or the, you know just the appreciation or the person who fills your prescriptions you know at the weed store and at Rite Aid yes. be nice to these people they're inside they're not getting fresh air yeah and make their day it makes their day because everyone else is just going through the motions saying, All right, Johnson, give me my pills. You give them that smile, say something nice. How's your day? Yeah, you could change someone's day. I believe in that as well. I practice that. I agree. <clears throat> and there's a really good story on repetition about um, smiling and, and giving back. And sometimes you got to know your audience yeah. on that. <laughs> but uh, I think it's really valuable to be like, you know, and chicks, we hear this, you know, guys are like, hey, smile. Ugh. You know, and you're like. <laughs> Take the high heel off and throw. Yeah. There you go. Ugh. Yeah. But I, th- <laughs> I think, I think that there is a value to that. Sometimes we just smile a little bit. Psychs the brain. So I, like I, have, I have a daughter, so I get it. Like, it's so crazy when you don't think about so many things, even like reading baby books or reading articles about babies or even about products. It is insane how many baby products just feature the word he. It's insane. Wow. Wow. Because all babies should be a boy. Ugh. I'm happy I have a daughter. I'm so when she when she came out 
she gave me three on Christmas. I was just like, Aww. yes, we knew already. So it's not like I'm saying like, what is it, Doc? It was, uh, it, I don't know, just something that I wanted. It was like, I don't know, just something that I felt like, I don't know, weird connections. So Doug, were you there for the birth? Of course, I was there throughout the whole thing. We waited three Where days. Where were you positioned? You waited three days? I was on the left leg. Left leg, okay. So down, <laughs> down below, like you got yep. to see, you got to watch your daughter enter the world. Yes. Exit your wife, but enter the world. Congratulations. Nothing See, like that's, that. See, that's one of those things on Call the Midwife where they're just starting to see the benefit of that for the man. Um, I mean, because, you know, I, I'm sure you know that that was, that was an archaic viewpoint. Or yeah. not even, it, it was, it, it was a, a viewpoint that thought, oh man, if the, if the guy sees that, he's not going to be sexually stimulated by her anymore. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So I believe not. you, but it's crazy to think about some of these things. They're like, you see the tropes in movies, all the guys are in the waiting room with cigars, just waiting for the baby to come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because the baby's really going to love that. <laughs> having being the first you know puff of breath and you know who also is a close freaking second to that is the mom who's trying to catch her breath and gagging and turning green from you know the wafting noxious fumes of cigar smoke there's a, a the place where i go to get my mani petty here in la <laughs> is literally right next door to a cigar thing, right? These guys. <laughs> and it is literally, it is so good fellas outside of this joint. Yeah. And I always feel like I'm in little Italy when I come in to get my, and I'm, I'm having to kind of dress a little bit and I'm finding myself like, oh, this is kind of cute to go get the mani-pedi. Cause I know I, it's, it's just a show. It's, it's like right out of one of those life magazines where the guys are like, hey baby, you're looking good. Yeah, you look happy, you know? And they're just like, and you're just like, <coughs> you know, you can smell it under your mask that yeah. you're wearing. <laughs> it's getting in there. And then I get into the, into my mani Penny place and I'm just like this going guys they're just like yeah on a Sunday and then the church is right there it's just <laughs> and then they go over there and Jersey? do the same thing yeah that's it that's where I'm at Jersey so it's oh you same- are oh, I am wow. Jersey yeah Oh my gosh. I was going to ask. I didn't get to ask that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I grew up in central Jersey. So only like, it's funny, wherever you move anywhere in central Jersey, it's still like 45 minutes to the city. So I grew up, I was like 30 minutes. Now we moved out closer to PA because it was cheaper and more property. So we're still like 40 minutes from the city. So not too far, but we have a place like that by us. And it's always the same three guys smoking cigars outside this place. And I'm like, how are they in business? It's the same three guys. They probably own it. Yeah. And they're scaring away all the business. All the business. <laughs> all the cigar smoke. How's the money laundering going, Joe? Freaking priceless, man. You know, 
nobody. Nobody's just coming. churning and <laughs> oh my gosh. So Kathleen, what was the first thing you did? Was it modeling or was it the acting? Which uh, oh definitely acting. I was a yeah. kid actor, uh kinda. I mean, not really kid uh commercial actor. Oh, um, what were some of the commercials you were in? I did a um this is in the book too, uh on entitlement. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me giggle so much, but I was a kid. I was like uh, fourth grade, fifth grade, maybe. Yeah. I cast in this little commercial for the Sunshine Family. It was like a, a little Mattel thing, and I'm sure I got it because of my hair or so. You know, just like yeah. oh, just put the little, you know, do a little diverse casting, and this kid's gonna play with this kid, and that kid's gonna play with that kid, and you know, all the different people and whatnot. It was really cute. And I loved the toy because they were just so nothing. They're just little animal features. Uh, anyway, um, so that there's a whole story about that that goes down <laughs> with me and this kid who kind of get into it on the set. But um, oh my gosh. All right. Save that for. Yeah. No, that's yeah. Good. Yeah. That's a good story. But I, I was more like into sports, but then kind of got back into acting around 15, 16, where I was like wanting to do plays in school and really wanting to go for the big parts, you know, wanting to be um, a lead. And so I went for those and got some and in high school I got some and then really started pursuing it. 17, I was getting headshots because I'd already been in, class for a year a year and a half uh feeling like i was ready to start auditioning taking some other classes on uh cold reading classes uh, i was in a cold reading class with gino havens um who ended up being the casting director for uh hard bodies oh, so they were cast in his cold reading class so he brought me in and uh, Mark Griffith was in there, and that was my very first acting role. That's great. And that was straight out of high school. I was 18. It's really crazy. Darcy DeMoss and I are still really great friends. And I've known Oh, her really? Great. Yeah. Oh, you knew? That's pretty funny. So she's Jason Lives. And then, so you see each other a lot, obviously, from being out. I don't know if she's still in the area, but, yeah. and then I'm sure at a lot of the conventions when, they were happening and you know i've never seen her at a convention really no we never really ran into each other i don't think no i hit her up on facebook on a facebook messenger because yeah. i was doing a podcast i wanted to do podcasts that it was called uh kicking it with kathleen kinmont nice. i did two of them and the whole premise was like i want to bring in people that i've worked with but then I want to surprise them with other people and then surprise that person with somebody else and, and have it be all part of the same film. So oh, that's what awesome. I did was, uh, was hard bodies with Darcy. Well, it started off with Courtney and then it became Grant and then Grant Kramer Well, Courtney Gaines, Grant Kramer, and then Darcy. That's awesome. 
And then, and then the other one I did, oh, actually, no, the first one I did was with Danielle. That's right. It was Halloween 4. Danielle Harris. And then I surprised her with Ellie Cornell. And then oh. I surprised Ellie with Dwight. No, I surprised, yeah, with Dwight Little. I surprised them both with Dwight Little. <laughs> That's great. Isn't that fun? Yeah, That's it was awesome. fun. It was, I was like, this is a lot of work. It is. <laughs> How many things can I juggle during COVID? And try to release a book. So you could so do it. You did it. Oh, lazy. <laughs> so then you have so I don't know what came first. So Hard bodies was first, or you had a you played model number two in the master, which showed you know Kitsugi. what that's so weird. You just read my mind because I'm looking at your shirt right now, going, I can't wait to tell them about the good, the bad, and the ugly moment yeah I, I that's what i was thinking about the connection between the two yeah with levy and cleave that <laughs> what a day that was <laughs> yeah Model number two i think i was i think i was wearing this outfit <laughs> <laughs> no i was definitely brushing my hair like this and talking to timmy van patten right Timothy Van Patten that became I'm the director all the time. Yeah. You know, he became fucking Emmy Award winning director. And he's amazing. Anyway, Salami, right? From White Shadow. Yeah. White Shadow. What's that about? That I used to always love that show on White Shadow. I love that show on Nick at Night. Why'd they call it White Shadow? Because he was white. Because he was the white coach. Yeah, he was the white coach. Yeah. <laughs> not not so too anyway, I'm brushing my hair like this. I get stuck like that. But the day I arrived to that set was so early in the morning because I was always told to be early. Especially in Thomas Guide days before, you know, and now make a lift. Yeah. So I get there. The fog is, hasn't lifted. And I find a place to park. I find trailers. I, I see some guy. And he comes over to me and he says, so uh, what's going on? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm to on the show the master that's this show right this is the master he's like yeah this is the show show." (laughs) i'm like oh okay cool um he said what are you what are you doing what what part are you playing so i'm like i i think i'm like model number two (laughs) he's like oh okay yeah all right doing the full-blown check me out up and down so now i would say so uh what what part do you play are you on the show and he's got my hand in a freaking vice death grip and he goes i'm the master (laughs) i was like Dude, where's makeup? (laughs) (laughs) 
good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> yeah. That's my ugly story. Oh, I'm my sorry, God. I don't care. You know, there's some people out there that really take advantage of young impressionables. No. <laughs> I get it. I, I just find that when people start believing their own bullshit, look out. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Not enough room in this planet for us both. <laughs> that was just such a wide range of ego. I couldn't even deal. I mean, yeah, that I was bet. day one. I, fortunately, I was only a day player. Yeah, only day. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, oh, this is what Gary Marshall was talking about when he said day players will kill you. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, so that's so that's like 84. You have those two. And then 85, you get a role that you're pretty fond of when you were talking about it in your story. Just the, the connection you made from it. In Fraternity Vacation, you play Marianne and Barbara Crampton. And that movie has a great cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sheree Wilson actually just texted me recently about I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about, I mean, whatever. If somebody wants to do a remake or like some kind of reunion style. Oh, and cool. bringing in some of the original cast members playing, you know, themselves now. I think I definitely should be like a real estate agent in the neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. I think I should be selling to all the gay guys <laughs> in Palm Springs. <laughs> I think that would be so fun. I you know, and have just a super gay assistant guy named Daisy or something. I'm just gonna write my own character, <laughs> yeah. you know. And he's just he just checks all the boxes for every diversity thing that you could possibly need. And yeah. he's like in transition to you know, like, and he's still he's still a question mark. He still doesn't know. Like <laughs> he's all the boxes, and he's just fabulous. And we're just crushing it in Palm Springs, and. Uh, I don't know. And I'm running for mayor. <laughs> and then you get the phone call for the reunion because it'd be cool to see Bar- Barbara, who just had a pretty big movie come out. Amanda oh my gosh. Beers. Yes. Jacob's wife. Yes. Right. She's... Tim Robbins, Stephen, Je- Stephen Jeffries. Amanda Beers. Amanda Beers. <laughs> I just worked with Matt McCoy. On really? A, uh, yeah. On a Hallmark uh, Christmas movie two years ago came out last Christmas called um, Merry Christmas Match. Yeah, we played husband and wife. No, I know, I'm circling back. So I'm, I'm definitely into, yeah, absolutely. I, that was what I wrote to her. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. I love all those people. Lee McCloskey, Cameron Dye. Cameron. I mean, yeah. God, Valley girl. Come on. I think Cameron and I should be married. And... Um, we're running, he's running for governor. Like, you know, John Vernon was the mayor or maybe Tim Robbins is the mayor. Oh, that right? would work. He's got mayor vibes. He like does senator or governor. Oh yeah. 
yes. Yeah. We had some fun on that movie. Yeah. But, yeah, and I was too young to really be having that kind of fun, actually. Oh, yeah. You were probably 19 or 20. I did not have a fake ID. All those guys were going out to clubs on Friday and Saturday nights, and I was just like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to get my rest, and I'll get up early and go for a bike ride. And uh, Yeah, I brought my bike with me so I could stay fit. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, that film. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> now, just to go forward, so like – We'll we'll circle back to a couple things, but so like Bride of Reanimator, I love the story in that. So again, I, I'm gonna tell everybody I'll get on top of a mountain and say to listen to your book, read your book. I, I just love everything about just the way you talked about that experience. Now, you, they told you after you got the part, correct? They gave you a copy of Reanimator, right? Is that how it yes. went? Yeah. Did you call Barbara right away when you're like? Or did you know that she was in that one? Or did you start watching it and be like, I know her. I need, I need to reach out to her. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I had her number at the time. That was really, those were the days before cell phones and I don't know, like staying in touch. I mean, she and I never really, like fraternity vacation, I was like, okay, well, I finished that one, check. That's like yeah. <laughs> Mirror, because my mom was cast to play the Mrs. Tivet character, Stephen Jeffrey's mom. Oh, okay. So she had already agreed to play this part without reading the script. Okay. So... <laughs> You can imagine my nerve-wracking state of mind <laughs> knowing that I had already filmed a few certain scenes and my mom was scheduled to come down next week and I hadn't told her what I was doing nor had she read the actual working script. Oh they God. might have faxed her her scenes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, mom, it'll be great. We'll be in Palm Springs. <laughs> and we'll be like, you know, kicking it. <sighs> you know, Jesus, what was I thinking? <laughs> but I was shooting my pants. I know that, that's for damn sure. So I was like, Whoa, I'm going to drive back home and talk to my mom. You know, so I get in my car and just like, for it to LA. I was like, oh, what am I going to say? Uh, uh, yeah, I just I get home and I like, oh, tell the truth and tell it fast. <clears throat> so I did. I was like, I got some new seats and I already know and they're already built and they're already done. It's already happening. You know? <laughs> She's like, what? What did you, do you just say Wait, you had some nude scenes. You've already filmed them. It's too late to back out. It's already done. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I kind of let her know what the situation was. I had to. 
Uh, I couldn't do it over the phone. I knew I needed to do it in person. I drove all the way back on my day off. <laughs> and she pulled out. Unlike everyone who watched the film. That's amazing. Why would you? It's totally fantasy. (laughs) You know, sometimes you've got to do stuff just to uh, face that dragon, but it, it was fun. I didn't really stay in touch with Barbara too much, but I love her. She's great. And then we've seen each other at conventions. We've done conventions together. Oh, cool. Yeah, when I saw what she had done in Bride of Re or in Reanimator, I was like, damn, hats off to you, girl. You can just, she's <laughs> um, free, really free. Yeah. And no, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. You know, no apology. Like, no, I, I was, a, I'm playing a role. That's, you know, it's a huge piece of what the whole movie was about is taking it outside the box. Like, exactly. You're so far outside the box, you can't even see the box. The box doesn't even exist. <laughs> was there a box? That's what makes those movies that are so, you'll never see a movie like that. So, somebody watches those two movies. They could say it's good, it's bad. No matter what, you're walking away seeing something you'll never see again. Yes. And that's what is beautiful. I'm talking to Brian. Usna. Yes. Next week. And I wanted to ask you, because you talk about, obviously, the rigorous makeup. and But did they give you any inkling? Was there any screen test beforehand? Or did they say, you got it, and you're in for a rude awakening? The second thing you just said. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, but it wasn't, I think instead of a rude awakening, I think you're in for a ride. Yeah, cool. With some really incredible professionals that will take really good care of you. That's what I felt when I was delivered really to K and B effects group in Chatsworth via myself driving myself out there. (laughs) (laughs) I sound so like a royal queen when the box was set down by my Egyptian slaves. (laughs) And I stepped out. Um, So as far as like a screen test, like you were asking, that was really as close to the precursor of what was in store for me was that day at KB with wow. all of the body casts, face casts, um, individual body part casts, feet, hands, neck, face, face in repose, face screaming, holding my mouth open for 15 minutes while it hardened, became nice. a mold. That's great. <laughs> and so after I, that day, like my naked body being covered in wet freaking plaster in an air conditioned warehouse in Chatsworth sounds so like the beginning of a porn. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
you know, I was like, I was totally down. I, you know, it was, it was art as far as I was concerned. Yeah. But what I was doing was something that somebody like me doesn't really get to have that opportunity. You know, maybe Natasha Henstrich in Alien, that cool alien movie. Oh, the species, yeah. Species, right. Yeah. She got to do some really cool practical stuff. I mean, these days, the practical stuff is um, CGI. But yeah, I, I mean, they're still, as far as like being an actor working with CGI, you're still using like ping pong balls and, and things that aren't normal, you know, but I kind of really like the whole practical stuff where you can see like, I'm a goopy fucking monster. Yes. You know, and I'm feeling this in my core. And yeah, I don't have to conjure it up through my brain. And yeah, it gives more people jobs. I don't know. It's such a hard, I don't know. I really like what K&B does. I love what they did. It's hard to say that people that don't create the CGI aren't artists as well, but it, it definitely was a lot of time in the makeup chair. And I really got to know those guys. And those guys were so enjoyable and so wonderful that there, it's no wonder Quentin uses them for everything. Yeah. And, and they're just incredibly well-respected and, you know, have won several, several awards and they're just, they're just a total blast. I mean, <laughs> that one where they're all like gluing the pubes onto me individually. Oh, that was, I know. Yeah, when I yeah. heard that. You could have probably done without that. But then, you know, that's how you really get to know people. <laughs> that's how you really get to know. <laughs> so I think this is a perfect segue. You talked about practical. So with your scene in Halloween 4 as Kelly Meeker, cops do it by the book now your your death scene was there anything like difficult about filming that or or anything Completely. at all every single moment of it really i was sitting on a bike seat that they had welded onto a chair so they had it mounted onto a chair so that i could sit on something and have my legs dangle right then they drilled a hole into the door at my, in between my shoulder blade level, so that the harness that I was wearing, the wire that was going through the back of my shirt could go through the door and they could on the other side of the door, you know, pull me up. So I'm sitting on a bike seat without any bicycle pegs to take the pressure off of, you know, oh. my, seat yeah <laughs> and then i'm getting this shot is getting yanked up right so they did that a series of those sure i don't know 12 minutes maybe seven eight i would say 12 minutes start to finish from being wow. up there it's pretty long time long enough yeah. so that my guts are feeling like, you know, <laughs> tension on the harness. It wasn't comfortable, but I really did feel protected. And I really felt like these guys definitely had my back, my front, my 
dangling legs. So everything was all fine in consideration. <laughs> and it didn't, you know, I was a trooper. And it's interesting. I've been watching the Kaminsky Method. That's such a great show. Yes. Too. I love and it. Yeah. Isn't it fabulous? Michael Douglas talks about dying. You know that? Have you seen the whole series? Uh, I didn't watch the the most recent one with Kathleen Turner. Okay, you gotta watch that. I gotta. But him and Arkin, just seeing him and Arkin, I'm sure if I looked at both their IMDb's, they might have crossed paths over the years. I don't know when or what movie, but man, seeing those two, I don't know. It's it's one of those like nostalgia things when you see like these big time legendary actors like finally work together and just their banter and being together just even when they sit at the restaurant and just eat or have a drink just their back and forth is just i don't know something like special to see them. just them watching the guy bringing the drinks to the table <laughs> yes. it's really i mean honestly there's so many moments with those two and with the show in general where it's the quiet moments that's the moments where there isn't any dialogue like Susan Sullivan, who was on the Falcon Crest series with my mom, who plays yeah. out against wife that whatever, I don't want to be oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. show yeah. or anything. But um, she I get to see her in a couple of weeks from my mom's memorial. I'm really excited. Because oh. I get to tell her, like, hey, you know, you're so brilliant. Like even the stuff where you literally have nothing to say and you're just a reaction. I'm floored. I'm laughing so hard. Because of who she is and Alan Ark. Yeah, it's just so great. But to get back to my point, Michael Douglas talks about um, dying. And it, it's really what you were ta- asking about my death scene with, with uh, Kelly Meeker and, and Halloween. And, and how it's such a responsibility as an actor to make that moment as real and you know it's not just about reality it's about humanity the humanity of seeing your life like pass before you and what that means and that that you know what to dive into that that fear of letting go of like is this really happening and i think that's where i was and i think that because of the absurdity of how i was totally wrenched up there you know up on this bike seat and this harness I mean I didn't know how they were going to do this gag yeah. and I didn't know I was going to particularly be the one to do it you know this was a big movie with a lot of big budget that had a lot of stunt people that were being utilized all the time for the kids and they had people they had someone you know for everyone and I was like, I saw it and, you know, I knew what it entailed. And they were like, how do you feel about it? I was like, I'm, I'm good. Let's go for it. I'm down. I'm fit. You know, I can, I'm strong. I'm an athlete. I know how to move my body. I've done a bit of dancer and whatnot. And I'm an actor, number one. I don't want anybody else doing my part. Yeah. Kind of covet the whole experience. Even reaching in like a hand, you know. Like my hand is my hand. You yeah. know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my hand the way I want to do it. You know, it's gonna be a specific hand movement. Can't just be like, yeah, let's get the insert. 
you know. <laughs> the other end. <laughs> And I've been that person. I was that person for Kristana Loken for T3. I've done, I've been a stand-in. That was my big stand-in moment. I was already an actor, but I, it's in the book on jealousy. You have to read that. Oh, cool. Or listen to it. I keep, I keep forgetting you're the. No, it's okay. The sound guy. I love it. I love that. That I have, first of all, that I get to say it that way. (laughs) Second, you're a fan of it, which is so cool. But um, yeah, the responsibility of, of keeping, it real so that it's so that people have an emotion surrounding it instead of being like oh god you know you want anything but that especially in that moment that's the last moment that's it yeah so i remember just being really uncomfortable being really like let's get this over with let's get this done i don't like this this sucks and i just remember being like that was the space I was in. So it was like every time I kind of kept coming back up, you know, it was like, <laughs> so I think it, it showed that I was. You probably utilized the fear that you had of being on that, you know, bicycle seat into your emotion in the shot. <laughs> this is the look. Yeah. Now with that, the, the cops do it by the book. Was that like a war? Did somebody give that to you? Or was that just in wardrobe? It was scripted. It was, okay. It was scripted. Uh, she changes. No, that's what I'm that's what I'm wearing when um when Brady shows up. Yeah, that's yeah. my hot sexy it, look at me shirt. It, it was. Yeah. This is my daddy. I went to the mall and <laughs> I had some shirts made. I had a shirt made, Dad. This is kind of like, because, you know, I respect you so much, Dad. And you're just awesome, Dad. And what do you think, Dad? It's like a boyfriend shirt. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sleep shirt. Cops do it by the book. And the guy, um, the prop master, his name was Bucky. Hence the guy that was wearing the helmet that says Bucky. When the guy that gets electrocuted. Oh, wow. I got to look for that. That's great. Yes. That's such a great little, uh, what do you call it? Easter egg. I love that. Yes. Yeah. His uh, hard hat says Bucky because our prop guy had to insert himself somewhere. That's not the prop guy playing that part. That's a real stuntman actor. And uh, (laughs) when he came with this, shirt cops do it by the book i was like wow felt (laughs) i remember just saying that like felt it's gonna get all rubbed out you know like i'm gonna be rubbing on him and i thought uh i'm like i hope these iron-on things stay on there who knows who knows how things are gonna land and then that shirt is like oh yeah cops to it by the book so great then apparently i got a little uncomfortable in that and changed into a flannel yes because it wasn't really appropriate for dad's detective friend like (laughs) what do you think do you can you do it by the book are you one of those off book guys (laughs) (laughs) amazing (laughs) 
when you auditioned for that did you know i know some horror movies especially those big franchises some they like to keep it very hush hush did you know it was michael myers movie when you auditioned oh yeah i knew it was okay yeah yeah we didn't get the whole script we just got pages auditioned okay because I know for Jason, they named, I interviewed some people that worked on uh, part eight and part nine, a casting director for four, five, and six. And they were saying that just because they didn't want it to get out that they were doing another one. Because those movies kind of, I guess, I guess all of them do it. They k- kill the guy at the end and then somehow magically appears in the next one. But like for part eight, it was called like, I forget what the guy told me. It was like a normal guy's name. It was like Fred something. And it was like, oh, man, this is a movie about this crazy guy named Fred. And that's what they thought. But they just got pages, too. But they didn't know really until they got to to when they got cast it. OK, this is actually a Friday the 13th movie. So that's good that they let you guys know. And that was a lot of pressure after the third one didn't have. I think it's a fun movie to watch, but it just didn't have Michael Myers. So that fourth movie is one of my favorites. I, Danielle, what she does as a kid in a horror movie is like the best ever yes I, we were all inspired by her performance truly and just her as a kid i think yeah. we were all just really from the same technique of let's just have some fun and 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 make a scary movie yeah right like we knew what we were doing we're making a scary movie let's like jump into that world of scary movie and just everybody just be real and normal and you know and it wasn't we didn't have a table read i don't think no we just all got to utah and it was like hi we're working on a movie together (laughs) come to the set we'll film your scene cool you know this kid's name's wade hi wade i'm gonna tell you to get lost in a little bit you know that was the original scripted line really yes which we filmed. And then Dwight came up to me and said, hey, you know, for shits and giggles, can you throw in a little, uh, I don't know, fuck off, Wade. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) I thought he was joking. (laughs) I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, no way, that's so funny. so so funny that's so funny you're like really really do you think you can do it and i said well give me two more minutes to laugh just give me two more minutes i just like i have to laugh and then i have to get irritated to like a place of like i have to get back to that place because it's just really not me i'm not that i'm not a bitch (laughs) because i'm better than but you said that word great in one of the chapters of your book. Which one? Bitch? Well, in, in the renegade chapter. When you're talking about oh, the guests. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bitch. It's Bitch is hungry. You bitch a power bar. Bitch, I'm running out of power bars. Bitch needs a fucking new outfit. Somebody give oh. bitch. <laughs> I know. Yeah, true stories. Anyway, yeah, so I just, I think that it's really valuable to not be 
Yeah, shitty. Yeah. Who needs that? The golden rule. You treat people how you want to be treated. It doesn't always come back right away. If you're giving, sometimes you're not getting it back, but one day it will be, and it's not going to make your day terrible to be nice to somebody, you know? No. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to pay some good stuff forward, for sure. It's very valuable. So and then once also it, got to think like if yeah. I'm not if I'm not getting something back, can I say something to this person? Do I feel safe enough to say, "Hey, I feel a little neglected," and da 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 da? And are they going to go like, "What? What's your problem? Why are you so?" In? Or like, "Oh yeah, I do." Or super defensive, or they'll be like, "Oh really? Oh okay. Well, let me work on that." That's and then when you have that kind of scenario, that's those are the people you want to keep giving to. Yeah. I think that's the new awareness of like, yeah, I can be a super giver and I can be a, a people lover and an encourager, supporter to my friends, my family, the people that I barely know, whatever. But I think it's really important to uh, to find out who is who is also a reciprocal celebrator of you when you celebrate others. Exactly. And, yeah. And to save, save yourself from trying to save everyone. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I just want to touch on, because I loved, there was like this point in my life, just based on my, I was born in 86. So like growing up, like USA network, like around that time, they had so many great shows, like obviously renegade they had. And then Walker, Texas Ranger came along. I think, I don't know, around, around that time or a couple of years after Renegade started? Same time. Pretty close. Same yeah. time? All right. Yeah, pretty close. And that show, and I think it was cool when you mentioned it in in that chapter, was I love shows like that. Even Walker, just so many guest stars that when you watch the show, you're like, I know that guy. Or you go back and watch one. Like I watch one today just a random episode on youtube and i'm trying to think what the name was it was god I'm trying to think the actor was that he played george hw bush in w he was in gordy he's in a million things if i said his name you might know him or if you saw him you know him but he plays like this professor and he 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 takes out bobby in one of the scene bobby goes to like interview him at a college oh is this the guy that was in babe James yes, Cromwell. babe, that's what it was. James yes. Cromwell. Yes. yes. Oh, the yes. brilliant, yeah, Academy Award-winning actor. Yes. Actually, so yes. It's funny when you watch these shows, or even like you watch Walker, you watch like, you're like, oh my God, that's Brian Thompson from Cobra and Terminator and all these things. I love shows like that. I know now the avenue is like all the cop shows or like I like to call the Chicago shows, the night of all the Chicago fire PD and all of that. But there's something about that era because it like you had so many people that you grew up watching, even though I didn't grow up in the early eighties, but all these movies I loved and you'd see these actors, you're like, Oh my God, that's the guy from Halloween or that's the guys from Jason. And it was just really special to see that on that show. Uh-huh. I, I completely agree with you, Doug. The, uh, the, the merry-go-round of guest cast was just that, you know, you'd see the, this guy, that guy is like picking the special horse that you want to ride. <laughs> I was such, it was so exciting to see who, 
who they got to play these characters. They were, we already had the script three, four weeks, maybe five weeks in advance. And then you'd hear like, you know, I don't know, Wayne Newton is gonna be playing one of the parts or it, it was just Sam Jones. I mean, his, he had so many great, but Marty Cove, we've, we've had so many just priceless and, and Leah Ramini, Elizabeth Grayson. That's how I met her. Oh, she really? From that? Show. Yes. Great females, great male. I, all the actors that we had on the show and all the directors that came and guested on the show too. It was, it was a treasure. It was a real treasure chest of people, memories, the crew that we worked with in San Diego were just incredible, hardworking people that are still working in the business now and, and doing great work. And I feel really, really lucky to be a part of that experience. It's too bad it didn't la I didn't get to stay into the fifth season. Yeah. But so I didn't know that. Like I read your I was listening to your book and like I look at the IMDBs and I watch clips of movies and stuff. And I'm like, wow, there's like three or four movies that she is with Lorenzo. So maybe somebody saw those movies and they said five. So they were like, wow, they'd be great together on a series. And then yesterday I got to that chapter and I'm just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and then it and all it changed. It's so crazy that Lorenzo and I had both worked with Branscombe prior. Oh, okay. In different things, in different films. Because Branscombe was major stunt guy. Stunt oh, yeah. And worked on just everything. And Stephen Cannell got a hold of Night of the Warrior that Thomas Griffith wrote. Thomas Ian Griffith, who's now going to be featured on Cobra Kai. Love him. Right? I love him. And we covered Karate Kid 3 and we interviewed Sean Cannon. Man, Thomas Ian Griffith, his role in that movie, it's perfect because it was bonkers back in the 80s. But if he is... I don't know what he's going to be. Maybe he's going to be the mayor or the running for governor because he's going to be something. But go on. I actually wrote myself a character to be associated with him on the show, but I don't know how. I don't. I really don't know how to get it to him. Wow, Instagram. I yeah, I know. Well, people people look at their Instagrams. That's so. That's how we get, honestly, that's how a lot of people get back to us. And I never thought that would happen when we started. I, I interviewed, I uh, messaged managers. Like I went on IMDb Pro, I reached out to those people. And then they were probably like, who's this schmuck? Like I didn't inter have anybody that I talked to. And it's so cool that people are kind enough to take the time like yourself to take that trip down memory lane. But you never know. Give it a shot. All right. I will. Maybe yeah, I should. It's the... Uh, um... Johnny. Yeah. William Zabka. Really. Yeah, Billy Zabka. Zabka. Bad boy of the 80s. Just because I have a boyfriend, so I had to put the I had to put the actor crush way, way in the back burner. <laughs> I have an awesome boyfriend, so I don't really think about anybody else right now. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He was in a band called Crazy Town. Remember that band? 
come my lady. Come, Wait, come. your boyfriend right now? Yeah. So funny thing is me and my, because my daughter is trying to teach her about gardening because everything that happened with COVID. So we started like they did after World War II. We started on like Victory Garden and we did all the plants and she loves it. So we did wildflowers this year and mm-hmm. we had butterflies on our wildflowers. So of course I made a video and played that song in the background. What? It w- he what is he the singer? He's the bass player, Doug Miller. What? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy town right there. That is, that's <laughs> that's the definition of crazy town. <laughs> that, that's one degree of separation of crazy town. That's, that's not even any degrees. That's zero degrees. How how long have you guys been dating? If, if, if that's too personal, you don't have to. I don't know why I'm no, asking. No, it's no, no. I'm Dr. proud Phil. of it. I'm really proud of it. It's coming up on a year in September. Cool. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. I love him. He's a wonderful guy. He's great. How'd you meet? Did you do you guys say like, I'm an actress. I'm a bass player. How, how does that work? Right. I'm a celebrity. Respect me. <laughs> Google me. Actually, it was really, really super cool because it was A, during COVID. Yeah. So I was walking his neighborhood with a friend of mine who lives around the corner from him. And she was saying, oh, we got to go by Doug's house because Puddin loves Doug. And Puddin is her little dog. Oh. And her dog, because he's like a dog whisperer, this guy. he has. And his name's Doug? Doug Miller. I like him already. Great name. Yeah, exactly, right? Great. He's got a good name. It's a rare breed. That's a rare yes. breed of person. They're usually pretty nice. I've never met a bad Doug, so that's good. No, me neither. My, yeah, and my, my ex-husband's name is Doug, too. My last ex-husband. And we're still really good friends, and he's a good guy. He, Doug oh, is that's a good, good. guy. I even say that in the book, actually. Yeah, nice. Doug gets it because he's a good guy. I think that's actually the line. Good. Um, I'm serious. So anyway, so we were walking the neighborhood. She, we got to go see Doug because Prince in love with Doug. I'm like, okay. And here's this guy who's working in his shed, and he's covered in tattoos and sawdust. And I'm like, okay. And the dog is like, <laughs> and he's like, and Doug's like welding or doing something with sparks and and he puts it down he's like put it you know? <laughs> he sets down his hot welder and you know comes over and starts making out with the dog on the sidewalk and i was like wow that dog really likes him <laughs> he really likes the dog so anyway, I saw him a couple more times in the neighborhood. I mean, I was, I had a mask on, I had a hat yeah. on, I had glasses on. I was wearing shorts probably because it was hot still. It's, it was in, uh, it was last summer, last August, probably right at this time. Yeah. Probably a year ago today. Who knows? I don't even know. And then I met him a couple more times. I saw him and then it got a little dicey in their neighborhood with all the protests and my friend who lives alone i i said to doug i said hey you know if, if anything goes weird and wonky in the neighborhood it'd be great to 
for you to have my number, for her to, you, you, me to have yours. She doesn't have any family here. She's from Virginia. I really wasn't hitting on him, although it sounds like I was. It does sound like it. It, it sounds like a lie. It sounds like it was, but I really, really wasn't because I was really trying. I wasn't because I was like, eh, you know, it's COVID. I mean, I wasn't like, oh, hey, you know, let's, let's hook up during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really wasn't. But he was like, um, yeah, sure. I'll, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll exchange numbers, which we didn't do in that particular moment. But then I guess she saw him the next morning walking her dog. And he said, hey, your friend's kind of hot. Can I get her number? And she was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And she said, oh, well, let me find out. So she calls me and I said, well, I, I kind of already offered up my number to <laughs> I just never gave yeah, it. Yeah, gave my number, but I guess this does put a little bit of a different spin on the situation where before I was like just trying to be safety patrol, you know, looking out for wayward, you know, and I'm like, okay. And so she gives him my number and I think, I guess I'll hear from him in like a week because it's LA and nobody ever acts like they really give a shit. <laughs> so that's the way. You know, hey, I think you're cool. Let me give you a call. And you're like, three years later. But anyway, I'm like, okay. So he calls me that night, that day. And we talked for like a while. Wow. For 45 minutes. And then he's like, you know, I really don't actually do this talk on the phone. And I went, oh, okay. Well, okay. (laughs) But call me. Bye. Been a really long conversation. I really don't do this. And so, you know, I was anyway. I was like so intrigued. That's amazing. <laughs> and then we went on a couple of dates where when everything opened up again, and uh, yeah, we dated. Yeah, we've been dating. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you, Doug. So, book and a Doug in during the pandemic. Boosh, three pointer. <laughs> Yeah. So Kathleen, this being this has been my favorite chat ever. But one thing I just have to ask you about on your IMDb. So Phoenix, mm-hmm. is that coming out soon or what's the plan for that? Because that story, just the little blurb, the little synopsis is very interesting. Wait till you see it. It's yeah. going to be so cool. Sweet. Yeah. The the director writer is great. His name is Brian Lambert, and he's just brilliant. And his wife, Maureen Price, plays the lead. She's the Phoenix. Oh, okay. Uh, I think. And and Grace Byers is in it. It's just it's just really really strong, and just espionage bitching. Nice. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to be a part of something that's really. Um, it covers so many, so many things that are uh dark and, and and gnarly you know sex trafficking and drugs so where is it gonna be on do they have that out yet or still shopping they don't have their platform. okay they have their producers they have their money they have all that stuff it's all getting finished and then i think that they're going to go and shop it and see who wants it the most that kind of thing. I think that's how a lot of people are doing it now. And that's how yeah. buyers are getting used to buying. 
you know, give me the six episodes so I can put it on and stream it, make all the money. And then I give you the money for the next eight, you know? So hopefully that's what happens. It's completely open-ended for that to happen. Nice. The storyline is great. The uh, characters are really cool and the way they filmed it all here in LA. And yeah, it's just really bitching female driven story of, um, you know, what happens when you don't know who the hell you are and you're, you feel like you're being programmed to do shit that's pretty heinous. No, I like the, I like the premise. I'll keep tabs on that. So cool. just one, one last thing. Just, I don't even know if I, I might keep this part in, but so Nick Vallahonga, that guy, is, does he know everyone in Hollywood? I feel like that's one name of people I talk to that they have a connection in, whether it be like, Ari Mihailov, who played Tech Chainsaw Massacre, who I interviewed. He worked on a movie with him. D.B. Sweeney was in a movie, Stiletto, oh, yeah. that he did. I think I interviewed I like six people. I saw that movie. I went to the screening of that movie. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Did you see that movie? I, yeah, I did watch it. When I interviewed uh, D.B., I watched it. Because she, uh, Rob Schaefer was in it, too. Uh, yeah. 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 It was... Um, yeah, so many great people in that film, but D.B. Sweeney played such a gnarly role. Like, yeah, it's it's a it's very graphic torture. It is. He's yes. a gnar- he's a gnarly guy. D.B. is. I'd love to work with him. What do you think? No, yeah? he's a great. No, he's a great guy. But he, out of everybody I talked to. He's an actor, obviously. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. He's done some phenomenal roles. He just sounds like this guy, like, yeah, acting. He loves cooking. That's his thing. He wants to do, like, a little cooking show. He, he loves cooking for his daughters so they don't eat, like, crappy food. That's, like, what he loved talking about. All right. Okay. Well, there's a lot of value to that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, we are definitely what we eat. That is true. And I was talking to my 16-year-old about it. Like, it's 80% diet. Don't fool yourself with thinking that you're, you know, working out six hours a day and eating crap. You can't do that. It has to be, it has to be in conjunction with what you're doing, you know. You really want to see results and stuff. So, I mean, that's really what I've done all my life. And it's not about, um, oh, discipline and, oh, denial and, oh, you can't have this, you can't have that. It's just about what you have and making that so good for you. So, yeah, I totally – and kids these days, you know, they really need to learn that because everything is so freaking disposable and so convenient, you know. Here, let's have some food. (laughs) Oh, I know. Off the train. Yeah. No. I get that. Remember TV dinners? Oh. So, about eating that as a kid. Oh, those Encore I, Salisbury steaks. Uh, I don't even know if they were steak or Salisbury. I don't know what that was. And here's the truth. There's so much hunger going on in this country that some oh. people would be like, hey, you know what? I'd give anything for Salisbury exactly. right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I actually like those things. And I think that once in a while, whatever you want to have, whether it be a corn dog at the <laughs> house or, you know, half a pizza or whatever, like, don't deny, do the things that make your body feel good. And 
put a good spin on it in your brain, like, hey, you know what, I really actually deserve this. And I'm really going to enjoy this instead of eating it with so much guilt and shame, that it all turns into toxic mud in your system, because you're ingesting it with such a crap attitude. Yeah. You know, I think that it's really important to, um, to really embrace things in life that have, even if, even if they're a shitty situation, put some kind of a positive prayer spin on it. Like the person that you're having the biggest problem with right now, being able to pray for that person and see them in a light that makes them, that encourages them to step into their own joy, into their own peace, into their own light, so that they're not in so much agony that it's seeping out to everybody else. Those are the powerful things. That's powerful. I think that's a perfect way to end it. I usually spend an hour, so thanks for spending the extra time. And I had a blast. Thank you, Doug. Me too. A lot of good laughs. You're so much yeah. fun. Really, you are. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll this will be out probably in a few months. But before that, I'll promote it. I'll put it on my the link on my website for everything and put it on Twitter and mention it in my episodes and stuff because I just love what your story is. And I, I don't know. I think it's cool. Obviously somebody else that like, you know, just got into acting and they just like fell in. But I just think it's so cool just where you came from and with your mom being in it. And I don't know. It's just, it's a very unique story and your spin on it. And I love the way, like I told you in my email, I'm helping this actor, Larry Hankin. He's a character actor. He's been in 200 things. I'm helping him write a book. and his words ours is like not close to being done yet but he has these little stories from little movies he was on and i just love everything about the setup of the book it's 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 beautiful thank you thank you doug all your words mean so much to me it, it really it touches me a lot I, I appreciate your enthusiasm and support no problem thank you so now does go that, to doug is that, that doug <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He actually doesn't ride a bike. Thank God. <laughs> he has a really loud truck, though. It's probably it's probably twice as loud as that motorcycle. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you go to Doug, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. You too. You're my butterfly, sugar baby. What are the chances that me and my daughter are doing a little video with the butterfly garden that we set up for her this year, and? She is dating the bassist, Doug, perfect name, from Crazy Town. It was Crazy Town, like she said. Man, so many amazing stories about her mom, almost going to be Stephen Joffrey's mom in Fraternity Vacation, and that whole story, her kill scene in Halloween 4. I told you, it's so detailed. I loved every second of it. So make sure KathleenKinmont.com. Great book. You got to check it out. Listen to it, read it, whatever your preference is, but just do it. And here's your homework. Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. Like I said in the opening, this was a pivotal point in the franchise. Anybody else can say, oh, well, no matter how this movie was, this movie could have just ruined Michael forever. And it turns out to be one of my favorite Halloween sequels. We'll see. Jamie has never seen it. So it will make for an interesting conversation. So don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, 
Follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night.